Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The word condemnation means to judge downward, to have a sentence passed that no one can appeal to, no condemnation. Again, saints, this is the best news ever. You know, it was Donald Gray Barnhouse who once said this, and perhaps you're familiar with this. He said, or familiar with Barnhouse, he said, if we lift our voices and jump up and down and scream when our favorite football team wins, if we scream when our favorite candidate gets elected, If we could let out a cheer when we find our lottery ticket won, if we could celebrate when our mother-in-law goes back home. (laughs) There are all kinds of things in life that make us want to jump up and down and scream, Barnhouse says. This is jumping up and down and screaming stuff. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Now listen, I want to point out something to you. There is a difference between condemnation and conviction. Amen. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. What's the difference, Rodney? Well, listen, the devil condemns, the Holy Spirit convicts. The devil condemns, and condemnation will push you away from the Lord. Conviction will draw you to the Lord. Uh, You know the difference of condemnation versus conviction. Is this the voice of God or is this the voice of Satan? Because condemnation, when you do something wrong, will say, you lowlife. You're disgusting. God can never use you. God never wants to use you. You're bad. You're worse. You're worse than you think. And that pushes you away from God. But conviction from the Holy Spirit will draw you to God. You'll, you'll, you'll start to think, you know, well, I, I shouldn't have done that. And God, forgive me. And Lord, help me. And you'll be drawn to God. That's the difference. Condemnation always comes from the devil. And the Bible says that the devil is a liar. Do you know? Did you know? Satan is not your friend. I don't know about you, but I don't want no liars for my friends. And I get one witness. You mean this half of the room wants liars for friends? Oh, my God. We better pray now. Satan is a liar. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. He's not your friend. The Bible teaches he's mean. He's ugly. He's no good. There's nothing good about him. I mean, think about it. There's nothing even good in his name. He doesn't even have a a, a good name. Satan. The adversary. Beelzebub. Lucifer. The prince of the power of the air. The enemy. 
He doesn't Satan. He doesn't have a good name. I mean, think about it. Nobody even names their son Satan. Does anybody know anyone who has been named Satan? If you name your child Satan, you shouldn't have had that boy. That's not a political statement. That's just, it is what it is. Devil. Devil. I mean, think about that. That's not a good name, devil. And you take that name apart, devil. D-E-V-I-L. Devil. You take away the D, nothing good about his name. You take away the D, what do you have? Evil, because he's evil. You take away the E, what do you have? Vile, V-I-L, because he is disgusting and vile. You take away the V, what do you have? Ill, because Satan is ill. (laughs) Just yuck. Take away the I, what do you have? L, because that's where he wants to take you. (laughs) Amen? He wants to take you to L. Isn't it good to know that Jesus Christ defeated Satan? Isn't that good to know? Isn't it good to know that when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, that he stole the keys of death and hell from Satan? Jesus died not that you would go to hell. He died so that you could go to heaven. I'm going to wait. Y'all need to. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. And, and, and God's got a plan for your life, and, and it's a plan that is good and is not of evil, and everything about Jesus' name is beautiful. Everything about his name is beautiful. I mean, Jesus, the name Jesus. Now, conversely, how many people do you know that named their kid Jesus? That was good, wasn't it? That was, that was good. I didn't get that first service. That was good. Because everything about his name is beautiful. Amen. It's just beautiful. He doesn't condemn. He never condemns. John chapter 8. Don't you remember the story of the woman caught in the very act of adultery? And the Bible tells us that these men came and dragged her out. And they threw her down at the feet of Jesus. And she probably had on the sheet that they ripped her out of the bed carrying. And they brought her to Jesus and they threw her down. And, and they said, the law says stone her, Jesus. What do you say? And Jesus was cool as a cucumber. And last time you heard a cucumber, Jesus was just cool. And the Bible tells us that, 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 that he leaned down and he writes in the dirt. And one by one, each of those men walked away. And the woman was left there standing before the only one who could actually condemn her. And he was without sin. And Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, they're gone, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Amen, saints? No condemnation to those who are in Christ. Those who are in Christ. Now conversely, those who are not in Christ, well, the Bible says that there is condemnation. There is this judging downward. To those who are not in Christ, but to those who are in Christ, they're safe and secure. Listen, 
Genesis chapter 7, the story of Noah. You know the story. Noah had been building the ark. People are laughing and Noah's preaching and people are mocking him. And then God told Noah that he needed to bring his family into the ark and to take the animals and the birds and, 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 and then wait a week in the ark. Can you imagine two of every kind going in the ark and then with all of those animals and you have to just kind of sit there for a week and it's hot? It was terrible. And he went into the ark, the Bible says, and he was to wait a week. And then it was going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible tells us that Noah was 600 years old when God called him to ministry. You think you're too old for ministry? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm 90 years old. I'm too old for ministry. No, you, you're young. Noah was 600 and God called him. And then we're told that Noah built the ark and the ark, the Bible tells us, was pitched. Now watch this on the inside and the outside. That word pitched in the Hebrew language is the same word used for atonement. Very, very interesting. So when Noah finished building the ark and it was completed, we read that the Lord shut Noah in the ark. The Lord shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door. And when Noah, when the Lord shut the door and Noah, his family and all the animals were in the ark, they were safe and they were secure and they were protected. And the same is true for us. That ark becomes a picture of Christ. And the same is true for us when we find ourselves in him and he has closed the door and he's now protected us and kept us secure and kept us safe. We're safe in Christ. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Because we're in him. There's no condemnation because we're in Christ. No condemnation who do not in verse one in verse one, who do not notice walk according to the flesh. Go ahead and look at it. But according to the spirit. Now, listen, the walk according to the flesh speaks of the fleshly life. Those who are in Christ do not walk according to the fleshly life. You notice in verse two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free for from the law of sin and death, you will notice this word for saints in verse two. You'll notice this word for about 17 times in this chapter. And here's just a few. Of course, we've got four in verse two. The law of spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse three for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Verse five for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the flesh. Go ahead and look at verse six, four, verse seven actually says because or could be translated for verse 13, verse 14, verse 15, verse 18, verse 19, verse 20, verse 22, verse 24 and verse 29. The word for all of these verses are built off the idea that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ 
has made me free from the law of sin and death. In other words, saints, listen close. The law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ, are you listening, is higher and more superior and more overriding and more powerful than the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life is the dominating law. And the law of sin and death is subject to it. The law of spirit of life is a higher law. It's almost like if you go over to RDU and you see those planes that are bound by the law of gravity. You turn on the engines and the law of aerodynamics takes place. It takes over. Gravity is still in effect. And it still pulls on the plane But there's a higher, more powerful force at work, which allows them to override the law of gravity and soar up into the sky. This is what Paul is saying. We are free from the law of sin and death because of the law of the spirit of life in Christ is higher, more powerful than the law of sin and death. You need to say amen because of the law of sin and death were more powerful than the law of the spirit of life, then we would all be dead in our sin. You got that? I told you Paul was brilliant. He's a brilliant mind. So Paul says in verse three, go ahead and look at it for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. The law couldn't make us righteous before God because of the weakness of our flesh. And what we could not do for ourselves, God did for us by sending Jesus who lived a righteous and perfect life. Jesus died for us and we couldn't die for ourselves, for our own sins. Jesus came to the earth as a man and he was sinless. And he didn't only come to live a sinless life, but he came to die a sacrificial death. Jesus' death on the cross, saints, listen, was the most Powerful, the greatest transaction to ever take place in history. You understand? It was the greatest transaction to ever take place in history. On the cross, Jesus made complete payment for our sins. He paid for our past sins. He paid for our future sins. And he paid for our present sins. That's why when the writer, I don't know who wrote it, said Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. Jesus paid it all. You know, he could have paid half your debt and you would have had to pay the other half. That's how I do it in my house. (laughs) Amen. You want something? Give me half. Parents say amen. amen. Give me some money. He could have paid a portion of it. He could have paid most of it, but Jesus paid all of our debt. Amen. You got that? He paid all of our debt and the righteous requirement of the law was fulfilled again, not by us, but in us. It's something that Christ has done. And then in verse four, go ahead and look at that, that the righteous requirement of law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit Galatians chapter five, verse 16, I'll give you this. You go look it up. It says, walk in the spirit and you shall not what fulfill the lust of the flesh for those in verse five. Go ahead and look at it again. If you will, in your Bibles, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, they've set their minds on 
the spirit. Now here's a comparison between believers and unbelievers. Listen, unbelievers continually mind the things of the flesh. Now, please understand something. My following comments, we all were unbelievers at one time in our lives. Let us not get self-righteous and, well, unbelievers. Well, look, none of us were born Christians. Amen? Not unless your last name's Christian. That actually happened to me. I told you that story. But we were all unbelievers at one point. And I know even in my own life, I've been a Christian for 25 years now. And I know even in my own life, you know, there was a time when I was walking in the flesh and, 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 and I was fulfilling the desires of my flesh. I lived for my flesh. I woke up in the morning thinking, how am I going to satisfy my flesh? Thinking of new and creative ways in which to satisfy my flesh. Now, I must be the only one. No, I'm not. We lived according to the dictates of our flesh. And yes, I remember going to church on Christmas and Easter. I was a two-timer. Oh, I remember that. And you know, yeah, I might have said the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father was right in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And I might have given money. Unbelievers, yeah, they give money to the church. And maybe they work in an orphanage. And maybe they work in a soup kitchen. But listen, if there is no inward change, that is not of the Spirit. That's not of the Spirit. You know, it's Charles Spurgeon who said that if the grace that we talk about is not enough to change us and transform us, it won't be enough to take us to heaven. If the grace that we talk about is not enough to change us and transform us, then it will not be enough to take you to heaven. We serve an awesome God. Amen, saints? And we serve a God. Is there anything too hard for God? No. There's nothing even hard for him. Nothing too hard. There's nothing hard for him. And if, in fact, that we are believers and we have been empowered by the Spirit of God, then that Spirit that lives in your life and lives in my life has the power to change your life. And thus, when we say that we are Christians, then we need to exemplify a life that is Christ-like. And I don't know about you, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I hear a lot of talk about I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but I don't see any change in their life. And I'm, hard, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, it's hard for me to believe, because I do believe that if you are a Christian, there will be a change in your life. There will be a transformation that takes place. Now, will you be perfect? No, none of us are sinless. And we're never going to be, because we already talked about the battle between the flesh and the spirit. But if you have the power of God, you have the spirit of the living God. You are, Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you are the temple of the living God. The power of God, the spirit of God living in your life has given you the power to change and to be transformed. And if we are Christians, then we need to send that message to the world that when we become Christians, we don't walk in the flesh anymore. We now walk in the spirit and the spirit of God will change us. And the Spirit of God will cause us to turn away from sin. And the Spirit of God will cause us to walk in the newness of life. And the Spirit of God will cause us to put down those old habits. And the Spirit of God will cause us to tell that person that we've been living with, this is not of the Lord, you need to move out. 
You understand? The spirit of God working in us has the power. And what happens is we hear so much talk. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Well, I read my Bible, but, 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 but I have a harem. <laughs> what? Well, I read my Bible, but you know, I smoke marijuana because I'm a naturalist. You know, it's for my eyesight. Uh, no, it's for your flesh. You know, well, I'm a Christian, but you know, I do this and I do that. Listen, if you are saved and your life has been changed and the spirit of God lives within you, then you have been set free from the law of sin and death and you have been given the power of spirit and life. And now if you don't walk in victory, you don't want to walk in victory because you have the power within you to walk in victory. You got it? And aren't you, maybe it's just me, I am just exhausted on hearing people say, well, I'm a Christian, but their lives don't show it. And then when we say, well, you know what, you're not acting like a Christian. Hey, don't judge me. You know, folk be throwing a neck in it. You know, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I am not judging. I am simply listening. I am simply just looking at your life and saying, look, I know a tree Jesus said by the fruit it bears. That's all. If you have a fleshly lifestyle, I am only left to conclude that you are not a Christian. That you're not a Christian. That's not judgmental. I'm trying to help you. Because God can help you when you are honest with yourself and you are honest with him. And if you're not going to become a Christian, you don't have any intentions on changing your life, then please don't tell people you're a Christian because you're making it harder for people like me. <laughs> well, if I see that person, they, they, they say they're a Christian. Look how they live. You know, and we think that people have become a Christian because they came down the aisle. Pastor gave an altar call. They came down the aisle. They were crying, Lord, save me, forgive me, Lord, the tissue and... <laughs> And we go, oh, yeah, they got the spirit. They're a Christian. Listen, just because you come down the aisle, don't make you a Christian. They'll make you a Christian. Giving your heart to Jesus. Receiving Christ and the spirit of God living within you, that makes you a Christian. You can walk down the aisle a hundred times. And, and, and you'll you just be tired, but you won't be a Christian. <laughs> because we've been set free. And we've been given power over our flesh. Yes, they'll be struggling. Yes, there'll be, you know, warfare going on. And yes, you'll have times maybe where you'll falter and where you'll fail. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come in, on your life and, and God will cause you to turn from that sin. And God won't let you live in that sin. You know, I've talked to people and they would tell me, you know, Pastor Rodney, I'm just struggling. I'm just struggling. Maybe I'm not a Christian. I'll, I'll ask them, hey, how, you're struggling? Yeah. I'll go, well, then I know you're a Christian. Because before you were a Christian, you weren't struggling with your sin. You just did it up. <laughs> you know, it's only when you become a Christian is when you start struggling. That's when you become a Christian. You start struggling. You start going, you know, maybe my life is not quite right. And I need to work on this. And, I, you know, then that tells me you're a Christian. And that tells me I just need to pray for you that God would just keep making you miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Shake your head if you know that's right. Shake your head. Go like that there. You know that's right. Just pray, God, keep them on the burner. <laughs> until you just burn that sin right out of them, Lord. You see? 
because in verse 5, oh, I got to wrap it up. For those who live according to the flesh, what? Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, for to be carnally minded in verse 6 is death. But to be spiritually minded, listen, is life and peace. I don't know about you, but I never knew peace until I gave my life to Christ. Everything in my life just settled when I became a Christian. And all of a sudden, I was alive. All of a sudden, I, I, I told you guys, I, I, the, the sky looked different. And it's like almost like when I became a Christian, God peeled off this haze that was like on my eyes for all my life. And when I became a Christian, God just peeled that away. And all of a sudden, the sky was blue. And the grass was green and the dirt was brown. And I told you, I do remember, like I'm standing here now, I started to cry. I was on my way to church Sunday morning. And I started to cry. I was looking at the brown dirt. And I was like, Lord, that dirt looks so pretty. I can't believe you made that dirt. That's amazing. Can't believe it. And I just was like all overwhelmed. Because I could see. Because I once was blind, but now I. The spirit of life. Brings joy and peace. God wants to give you peace. He's got so much he wants to do in our lives. We got to let him do it. You got to let him bless you. And let him work in you and let him work through you. He's got plans for you and give you a future and a hope. Life and peace. We'll talk about that next week. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.